episode of War Talking Drums is brought to you by Lost Cabos Drumsticks, Canada's number one drumstick manufacturer. With 22 models to choose from, you can get the right size, weight, and feel for your playing. Lost Cabos Drumsticks. Hello, welcome to another episode of War Talking Drums. Today we have a very special guest. All our guests are special, what am I saying? But today this will be the person i have known the longest uh out of all the guests that we have had on this goes back well before i started drumming uh how even before i started playing in bands and i had barely even played an instrument uh i have known this guy he has been an inspiration uh, um, behind the kit and as a musician and as a sweet dude and just genuinely awesome human being. I cannot say enough good stuff about this guy. So without further ado, I bring to you my conversation with Daniel Mills. Mr. Daniel Mills, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm very well. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. We're Excellent. actually recording Excellent. this on Sunday. So, uh, you know, this comes out tomorrow. <laughs> kind of, uh, you know, last minute. But, uh, you know, this is, this is fun. I like the Sunday chats. It's a good way to end the end the weekend, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So we're here to talk about drums. Um, for those of you who don't know, which is pretty much everyone, I've me and Danny have known each other since high school. Uh, you're a couple years older than me, I think, but, uh, you know, before I even started, uh, playing music or anything, you were always the drummer in the school, you know, <laughs> like, like it was always known like, all right, you know, Danny Mills, he's the guy, you know, like he, <laughs> he plays drums. Um, well, I, I've been drumming, i like all through school, even in, uh, middle school they even had uh, like jazz bands and all the marching bands and stuff so i was always kind of playing for at least some kind of mark <laughs> you know what i mean is that when you started was uh was it school that started you drumming or like take me back to like the first time that you you started playing and and uh, was that, that like it was way back way back <laughs> <laughs> i started at my uh, when i was 4 my dad had some drums. Um, he bought them off the drummer from Gordon Lightfoot or something like that. Oh, there's this old, yeah, this old Slingerland like uh, stainless steel kit, um, and it was. I think it was like, I don't know, maybe three three toms up top, maybe two or three on the. It was just a massive kit, and uh, all these old symbols that were so faded that uh, all the, the logos had faded off. But that's when I started at four. My dad kind of made me, uh, kind of pushed me into it anyway. Yeah. Uh, now, when you started, did that, uh, did you immediately go into lessons or anything? Or was it kind of just like, here's a kit, start hitting some stuff? And, 
or was it, <laughs> was it very like kind of like structured like all right if you're gonna hit these things you're gonna learn how to do it properly <laughs> uh, well i think at first my dad just kind of pushed me on it and he wanted me to play to his friends and they were kind of partying and um <laughs> just kind of like i don't know he put on like rolling stones and watch his four-year-old kid try to keep up to Charlie Watts or whatever his name is. But, um, I started less than shortly after that at drummer's choice. And then, um, RIP. I had a, yeah, I had a few different teachers. Um, but ever since maybe four or five, I started doing lessons like once or twice every couple of weeks or whatever it was. Yeah. Nice, man. I, uh, I was, too old and stubborn in my ways when I first started playing drums to go down the lessons route. Uh, I've recently started picking up a couple lessons here and there from buddies, uh, and I, I want to do more of that. But that's one thing I wish I did was like take lessons. I was too hard-headed. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, no, nah, man, no one's going to teach me how to blast fast. Like that's not that's not what lessons. I gotta figure this out for myself. Yeah, exactly. I, I can do this. Like it's fine. No, no. Now I'm. I have to go back and correct. You know, like fifteen years of poor <clears throat> technique. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the best part of uh, my my dad making me do that. Like my parents are very supportive of uh, me playing music, and they uh, they would drive me to lessons every week. And even like sometimes I didn't want to go like I take breaks here and there for months at a time and whatnot. Um, but yeah, and thankfully they did because by the time I was ready, I was ready to like jam with friends or like start bands and stuff like that. I had already pretty good foundation to build upon. I knew a little bit more than the, uh, the guys I was jamming with by that time, by like middle, uh, middle school and early high school. Like, I was kind of, a little bit more technically advanced than the, the say the guitar players and stuff I was jamming with at the time. Mm-hmm. Man, I remember uh, the bands that I played in 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 early days of high school and and stuff, and uh, trying to find a good drummer. Uh, that's pretty much how I got into drumming in the first place. Was the drummers all sucked? I had a drum kit at home and I just learned how to play and would jam with my friends or like, Hey, you're, you're actually like pretty good. You get it. So like, let's continue this. And that's yeah. how, uh, the first out of necessity, it. basically, that's it. It's always been necessity. I love playing music and drums were the one instrument that, uh, it was hard to find somebody to play. Uh, and nobody wanted to spend the money. And I was like, I don't like money. I'll just, yeah, I can buy drums. I can buy cymbals and sticks and all that stuff. Fine, whatever. Just let me play music with you. <laughs> yeah, it's just the way in, basically, at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to buy my way in uh, to all the bands. <laughs> uh, no, I remember the first, the first band I ever was in. Like, I, I jammed with some guys. Uh, there's one really good guitar player who's a friend of mine from, like, middle school, like, from grade six on, we used to play. It was, basically, we just did Jimi Hendrix covers, like, constantly. And um, we jammed, like, every day because we, we just had nothing else to do. And um, then we ended up playing some, like, shows, uh, like, blues festivals and stuff like that around town, like, Georgetown and uh, I don't know, wherever else around, like, Brampton. And... Um, so we played, we were like, 
maybe 14, 13, something like that. And we're playing all these old Jimi Hendrix songs like fairly well for our age. Mm-hmm. And uh, so all these old, old like I don't know, guys my dad's age and stuff just loved it because uh, they're like, look at these little kids. <laughs> <laughs> See, and and nowadays people would be taking cell phone videos and you guys would be fucking blowing up yeah. and getting endorsement deals and all this stuff. I think yeah, yeah. that's that's the difficult part now because like everything is documented and distributed like to to everywhere. Like instantaneously. I, yeah. Like just like that. Like I was scrolling through today, uh, either Facebook or Instagram or something, and there was this he he was probably like maybe 12 or 13 like you know like younger teen um still like still very much so developing and he was like shredding this yeah this drum cover i think it was like um i will prevail song or something like that i think i've seen i know what you're talking about yeah i think i just watched that too and I was just like, holy shit, like these kids are stepping it up. Um, but the thing is, is kids were doing that back when we were doing it as well. It just, they weren't filming every single thing they were doing. And Yeah, you, there could be guys that you'd never hear of them, but now you'll hear, you'll, you might be able to get a glimpse of them. Now, you, those guys before, you, they'd just be in a basement somewhere, just shredding and uh, ripping it, and you wouldn't even know. Exactly. And it wasn't until you you got together with other guys who were of equal or equal talent or like uh, at least somewhere in the ballpark, created a band, started doing shows that you would get any kind of recognition for the talent that you had. Like it was like a 50 step process to get to the point of someone saying, hey, you're pretty good. Now (laughs) it's just hit record and hit post and yeah pretty much you don't even have to talk to anybody no you don't. Hopefully, hopefully it's good enough and it hits that whatever algorithm or whatever that keeps it in the in view of sight up, up top on the front pages of things and that's it man it's all just we're it's all an algorithm now man our entire <laughs> lives are based around it it's crazy and honestly i don't i don't know if it's a good or bad thing at this point i haven't made a decision um, I think I do, everyone's I do. still debating that. <laughs> right. Uh, I I know there's people, some, you know, the older guys are like hating it. They're like, ah, I go back to the good old days. And, you know, the new kids are like, I don't know how you even functioned back <laughs> 15 years ago. You yeah. know, they don't get it. Um, but I do think that the bar has been raised as far as the amount of talent you need just to get in the door. Um, uh, absolutely. I, I'm, I, I believe that. I think we're somewhere like me and your age, we're somewhere in the middle between the last going out to buy CDs of our favorite bands, like mm-hmm. listening to albums front to back, reading all the liner notes and stuff like that. And then we're kind of on the new thing too, where we get how things like Spotify and uh, all of the, the social media stuff works as well. Yeah, because, uh, like, when I first had my, my first bands and stuff, MySpace was huge. So the oh, social I miss MySpace. Media, <laughs> the social media was there. That's how I found out about, like, most of my favorite bands back then anyways and, like, connected with people 
um, on other sides of the planet and then, and down South. And, um, one of the last tours I did with, with Crimson Shadows, uh, we actually, we had a couple dates drop off and last minute I messaged a guy that I had met on MySpace. I found his band on MySpace like 16 years ago and messaged him. And I was like, Hey, you're in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I was like, do you think you could like help us out with a show? We'd love to play. And he's like, I got this tiny ass little bar. Like I'll hook you up, but you know, like there's not a whole lot of money and or anything. I'm like, dude, we just want a show. And it was great, man. The place was packed. The energy was like crazy. Like it was awesome. Often those ones turn out to be the best. Those last right. minute, like just, we need to do something at this point. We don't care what it is. And then they ended up just mostly being the best, like one of the best shows on tour. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'd say one of the best. We played some awesome <laughs> shows on that tour and some killer yeah. venues, but it was like, it was definitely like memorable. Like I was, I remember back when I was smoking anyways, um, I, I lit a smoke for the intro and I kept it going halfway through the first song. And there was like a, like a five second little pause before the bridge. And I just like threw it on the ground. And I was like, oh shit, I hope that doesn't light the place on fire. And it didn't. Like I, I managed to like make sure it was out, but just I had a smoke going and everyone came up to me afterwards, like, were you like smoking while you're playing? I was just like puffing on it and like <laughs> blasting away. Like uh, I, re- I remember the first time I saw someone do that. I think it was the drum from Hot Water Music. Oh no. Nice. I, I, I was pretty impressed. Yeah, man, it's not, it's not easy, uh, but I had to do it, man. When you could smoke in a venue, I was like, ah, I got to, we were hacking darts all day in there. It's great, man. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's, let's turn gears. Let's, uh, let's talk more about you and, and the bands you've been in. Uh, so you started playing when you were four, you go through lessons, you start playing in bands with your friends. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, after all the the high school stuff, you you ended up in a band called Wheels on the Bus, and that was was would you say that's the first like major band you played in, or was there anything yeah previous to that? No, that that was that was the first like made. I guess, however, <laughs> locally we did pretty well. Like that, I'll say that like the it got pretty big locally, but um, definitely the biggest band I've probably been into like. I have up to that point for sure. Yeah. You guys, I will say like locally, uh, between like Brampton, Toronto, the whole GTA and stuff, you guys were crushing it. Like, uh, (laughs) thank you. You, you couldn't go anywhere within like the, anywhere from like the emo punk to like the extreme hardcore scene. Everybody within that knew who you guys were. And it was cool how that time, post-hardcore was a huge thing but it really the post-hardcore scene melded the the heaviness of the hardcore scene and the kind the the softer more emotional vocals of like the emo scene together so yeah that was some of the beginnings of the genre melding uh that i think i think the like our area like branton in particular Mm -hmm. had some uh, and it's just an awesome scene. There's so many great bands in that area. You could go every weekend and see like a great lineup. There'd be band- touring bands coming through to play. And uh, when they're like each 
uh, venues like the church and stuff like that. There's just, there's just places to play in Brampton at the time. And uh, uh, kids were going out to shows, which is, I don't know if that still happens. <laughs> I don't know if shows on the, like that, <laughs> Not like that level happen yeah. anymore, man. Like I, I, I think about it all the time because I'm back living in, in Caledon East and I go for runs past the community center. And I'm like, man, I oh. used to live there. Like yeah. I pretty much was there every single weekend drinking in that forest and, <laughs> you know, like seeing bands upstairs, downstairs with five people or like, like a couple hundred, like it, like that doesn't happen anymore though. These local scenes and it's not just because we're old and we're not in the scenes anymore. Like they just, I don't see them happening in these small towns the way they used to. Uh, and it's sad. Cause like, that was like, I don't, I don't know. There's such a huge, huge part of my adolescence growing up and transform me into the musician that I am now. Like, Oh, absolutely. The, and also you made so many friends like oh, yeah. networking wise, like you're, you're probably still like, that's how you, uh, you might meet somebody from one band, uh, that you played a show with and a couple of years down the road, you're in a band with them. Like it's just all over the place. Oh, it, it was crazy. Yeah. And the Brampton scene in general had so many good bands around that time. Uh, and, and it was cool because it was a place for the, uh, the touring national acts and everything to come through and actually have a, have a great show in a smaller town, which Brampton's yeah, not it, really a small town. Not anymore. No, <laughs> no there's like what, like 600,000 people here now? Like, Jesus. Yeah. But uh, you're lucky to get 60 people out to a show. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't, I would, that'd be considered probably that's uh, good. A, good, a good night. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good turnout. Sad, man. Um, but anyways, I, I do remember one time um, when seeing you guys play uh, at Edge 102. Uh, did you come to that? I did. I did. Awesome. Uh, I was uh, dating a girl at the time who was a huge fan. Uh, and we definitely hopped on a bus uh, that came from yeah. Orangeville. And came yeah, we, I think we, uh, we organized a couple of school buses to go yeah. to that, particularly just to like kind of show up with a bunch of people at 102 and make it look like we had a bunch of fans. And well, I think it went well. I mean, a lot of people ended up coming. Yeah, man, it was great. It was a uh, fuck. It was a great show, dude. Uh, it, that was one of the times seeing you guys. I know I saw you like, many, many times over the years, but that was one of the times where I was like, well, I, I know that guy and, <laughs> and he's playing this like radio <laughs> station thing. And it was crazy. Like I, you know, had, had, had big hopes for you guys. Uh, you guys are going to be the biggest rock stars ever. And I could say that I, <laughs> I was there, you know, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you guys definitely, you guys, um, did great things as a band, but I did hear a story. Um, I was talking to our friend, uh, Spencer Davis and, <laughs> uh, he was telling me that almost a, right after uh wheels on the bus uh came to an end that you got a call from him um and he asked you if you were uh looking for another project um which in turn led to you playing drums for a rockwell resolution 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I kind of remember that. And I was, uh, I, I knew, I knew um, Spencer from school. Like we went to the same middle school together. Um, I don't know if he was in it. I guess I, I didn't know if he was in that band, like Rockwell. I didn't know them too well. I think we had played together a couple times. And then um, he called me afterwards. Um, wheels broke up. And then I said, yeah, sure, I'll come out and jam or whatever. And I had played, I tried out for another band too. It was actually my, uh, <laughs> one of the guitar players in that band ended up being my brother-in-law. Um, but for, I don't know what I was thinking at the time, but I thought Rockwell was a good mix or a good fit. So I joined with them. And um, a couple years later, we made a couple CDs and everything. So. Yeah. And did you do any touring with Rockwell? No, I know. I, at the time I had a full-time job and, uh, I think I may have been the only one at that in the band. And, uh, I think we were going on one tour and, uh, I think we were going out East and I, so I, I couldn't make it unfortunately. And I got, um, Jarrett of all people to, to fill in. And which is funny because his band Amareth had some shows uh, here, like locally. So I filled in for him, the, for the Amareth shows, and he played the Rockwell shows on the tour. See, and that just goes to show how strong our uh, Brampton local scene was. Was that like, hey, I can't go on tour, so you go on tour for me. I'll fill in here for you. How's that? <laughs> yeah, that's that's it's pretty funny. Like I, I can't, I don't know too many things that like too many ways that would happen. Like they, we wouldn't have been able to do it if uh, if Jared wasn't able to. But thankfully, he's up for it. And if you're listening, I say thank you again. <laughs> <laughs> he's always listening. He's yeah. A, he's a we're talking drums alumni. All right, absolutely. So he tunes in every single week. <laughs> So when uh, I I also heard I got a I got a couple funny stories uh, off uh, Spencer, uh, so he was telling me that when you guys uh, Rockwell uh, were recording in Ottawa, you couldn't get the full two weeks off work to go record the album. So what you did was fly in, <laughs> record your parts and dip, and just fly back out. You know, and it takes it takes a real champion to be able to do that, man. Just like, nah, I'm I'm just gonna fly in. You know, <laughs> it's fine. But there's no way I could have made it, unfortunately. But like, I I guess I got off work on like Friday. Thank, like Ottawa is a quick trip, right from here. So I uh, got on the plane, and then the boys picked me up in the in the van when I got to the airport there. And then uh, I think they had already touched base at the studio. If I'm not mistaken. And so, um, set everything up in a couple of days, did the drum tracks and everything. And then, um, I think I was there maybe three, four days. And then I, I left, I took off and then they finished the rest of it. Nice. And honestly, do you really need the drummer there for the <laughs> whole session? This is like, at the time it probably seemed like a, like a crazy thing to do. Like, no, the whole band has to go, but this is, pretty common practice now for the the drummer and maybe guitar player like a, like a main guy songwriter in the band to go to the studio lay down all the drums and then the drummer will fuck off because it's gonna take 
like a full week to do rhythm guitars or something, right? Like, why yeah. do you need the drummer there? That's just, you know. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of it's a waste of time if you if you're not having any input. If you're if the drummer's a like integral part of the songwriting process, you might want to be there. But at that point, we had our all the songs written, everything was good to go. I played my parts, and uh, they just finished it up. Yeah, that that's awesome, man. Uh, I just love that flying in. I kind of forgot about that. I want to, uh, I want to do that one day. Honestly, I might do that on principle for uh, the Crimson Record. We're going to be re- tracking drums in in Montreal, so I, I kind of want to fly in. I'll do my part and then just peace out. <laughs> I'm going to save up my pennies so I can fly. Uh, I miss flying. Yeah, it's that, I think flights are a lot cheaper then as well. Yeah, I I don't know. It seems like everything's just getting more expensive these days. It is. I don't know. Absolutely. It's been it's been close to two years since I've flown anywhere. I think now. So uh, I don't know. I know. The last time, I think the last time I was on a plane. Yeah, we went to the Philippines um, a couple of years ago now. Is it my brother-in-law who was living out there? And uh, that's a long flight. But yeah, the, I, that same flight now is triple the price. Yeah, it's insane. It's absolutely insane, man. But it it is nice to to know that people are, are traveling to a degree. Like, I don't know. I don't want to get into a whole uh, COVID spiel or anything. But <laughs> I... Uh, the the AV company I work for did a setup at the airport. Um, I think it, it was in December over like the Christmas time. Yeah. Um, and we set up lights in the parking garage and everything and walking into the parking garage and not seeing a single car and like the main parking structure for the airport at Pearson for Toronto. I was like zero cars. I, I was just like, I, this is now it's hitting me. Like, this is weird. This is really strange. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this is, is very strange, but, um, I don't know. Hopefully it was for the best. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I want to get into a new project that you are a part of now that, uh, you know, you guys have a, a new single out called Holy Roller. Uh came out uh, this past Wednesday, I believe, on the 12th. Yeah, it was the 12th, yeah. Yeah, August 12th. Uh, go check it out. Uh, the band is Truce. Uh, the song is Holy Roller. You can find it uh, anywhere on all streaming platforms. Go listen to it now. Pause this. Go listen to it. And then now that you've listened to it, uh, all right, now we're back. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about this new project. How did it come to be? And um, how did your involvement in it uh, kind of manifest itself? Um, <laughs> well, you know what? I Before this, I wasn't playing a lot of drums. It's been a while. Like We had a daughter. Um, uh Basically, I, I had no band going on, so I was jamming with some friends. Um, I had started a project playing guitar and singing um, called Cheat Notes. And um, so that was kind of like 
taking up my time, but it's funny because it's like the least amount of drums I've played in my life right now. And now I'm on a drum podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, Spencer, I guess he was working on some stuff out in where he is. He, he's got a couple guys he's uh, jammed with in the scene or whatever. And um, they had a drummer. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but um, he contacted me and asked me if I wanted to be involved. And I said, hey, sure. Like, I'll, I'd love to play, like, especially for a friend of mine. I'll mm-hmm. love to make his, anything I can do for him. But um, send me the songs and they're just killer. And uh, we try to figure out how I can record the drums here. Because they're in Moncton, I'm in Brampton. And um, I did get some electric drums before, like when, when my daughter was born, just so I could kind of still play a little bit. Yeah. And um, so we decided that we'd do the drum, all the drum tracks that, that way on the electric drums through MIDI and um, send them back and forth to try to work them out, tweak them that way, make them at least, <laughs> that's the thing, they are MIDI drums, but at least I'm actually playing them which I guess counts as uh, something, <laughs> but it turned yeah. out, they turned out awesome. It t- turned out really good. Yeah. The, it sounds fantastic. Um, and I know like, cause I, I, I've been talking to Spencer a lot over the past year and stuff, uh, when he's been just dabbling in the writing and everything. And he's been talking about, uh, like Gika drums and he, he's very used to the MIDI drum environment. Um, yeah, yeah. So when he mentioned that you were involved in it, I was like, "Wait a second, but it's all MIDI drums." And I knew, I knew it that it was MIDI drums. So I was, but I was like, "But it has feel," and it like that's a, that's a very difficult thing to do um, is is get feel from MIDI drums. But if you are actually playing it and not fully quantizing it to the grid or anything, and you have yeah, like I think it. that's the main thing. You got to try not to be be robotic. Like, don't make all the velocities like don't change them a- after you play. Keep them uh, keep the feel really. Like don't don't snap everything on on beat, or else it's just going to sound like MIDI drums. So we wanted to at least have some kind of feel of real drums, like like I'm actually playing them. Yeah, well, having a guy like you too that you know has a very distinct style and, and feel to what you do, you don't want to quantize that. You know, you want to keep that and and keep your performance as close to it as possible. But we're going to we're going to change all this shit, and we're not going <laughs> to have any of this MIDI drum stuff because I love I do love MIDI drums, man. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, I do love them. I think they're a great tool for getting high quality uh, drum tracks and and everything on a budget. But that being said, uh, I'm going to get you in to my studio over here and we're going to lay down everything acoustic. That's <laughs> that needs to happen. Uh, uh, it's been a long time since I played acoustic drums. Uh, I guess well, maybe over a year. I, my drummer in Cheatnotes, I've played his drums when we jammed. Well, we haven't jammed since the pandemic, but uh, so that's probably going back to over a year and a half at least that I've actually played. I haven't played acoustic drums. I've just been playing electric drums. Well, we'll do one song and we'll have all day. Uh, and. <laughs> 
you know, that way it'll give you some time to warm up and get used <laughs> to it and everything. Well, and yeah, I, I was, I was really rusty when Spencer sent me the song. So, uh, and he had kind of a timeline that he wanted to send them off for mixing and mastering, which I think was maybe about a week or so. They always and, uh, do, man. They always have a <laughs> fucking timeline and it's yeah. tight. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so I, I played it, I recorded it and I just didn't, I didn't, didn't sit well with me. Didn't feel good. So like that night, I think I played drums for like eight hours, just on just practicing, trying to get loose. And mm-hmm. I, I was just sweating, uh, I think I played till like three in the morning and then I got, finally I got loose enough where I felt comfortable enough that I was like real happy with what I played on the songs. Nice man. Well, I think it turned out great and I am excited to hear this second single that's coming out I, in a couple. I, I really weeks. enjoy the second one. I'm proud of the second one. I think it turned out really good. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, uh, wait, do you know the, the day that, uh, uh, it's gonna be the twenty sixth of August. August twenty sixth. Uh, okay. Yeah. Song's called Ghost. And uh yeah, it's it's gonna hit hard. <laughs> yeah. I've I've heard rumors that it is quite heavier than Holy Roller. So. Yeah, Holy Holy Roller's got a little bit of uh kind of like a, a rock and roll type feel. Still heavy, but a little bit more um um, not quite as metal, but this one's got a little bit more metal in it. Oh yeah. Going, going back to the roots, eh? <laughs> <laughs> nice man. So you mentioned that you haven't really been playing drums, uh, very much over the past couple of years. Uh, and I understandably so working full-time job, having a kid, house, wife, all that stuff, you know, it, it can, everything can add up to the point where it kind of just gets pushed to the side, especially if you don't have any active projects um, yeah, going yeah. on. And I, I was just playing guitar, like uh, doing the Gino stuff kind of because I could get away with it. I, it wasn't as loud. Uh, mm-hmm. Just playing guitar with my computer. Um, I didn't have to worry about setting up microphones and all that stuff for drums and whatever. So I, I kind of was just playing more guitar for a little bit as well. Yeah, and that way you still get that creative process. And honestly, like I've been playing a lot more guitar recently as well. Uh, and it's kind of nice to step away from one instrument and really dive into another instrument uh, that you're passionate about. Uh, it can even breed more inspiration when you go back to drums, or, you know, and and work in different ways like that, which is really cool. I, is there anything that uh, you you found very difficult uh, going back? Like you said, like you had played for like eight hours just to get loose enough to the <laughs> point of, you know, is there is there any kind of routine that you're like, okay, if I just like do this or that, uh, or was it literally you just had to play and, and sweat it out and get your feel back because you haven't been playing for like a year and a half? I uh, just had to play really. I, I did I some uh, like work on rudiments and some stuff like that with my hands to try to speed them up a little bit to where I'm like, I'm, I'm playing them and I'm, I'm kind of getting frustrated at myself. Cause like, I know I can go faster than this. I know I can mm-hmm. play this better, but I just couldn't, I wasn't, my body wasn't there. My muscle memory wasn't there yet. So I, I pretty much just played for, I played along to different songs and jam by myself. There, there's like, um, 
another good thing about the, the electric drums is that you can just put on some whatever setting, like there's a jazz setting, um, like with the jazz song, whatever you can, it makes the drums sound like they're from 1950s or something like that. <laughs> Big open, uh, open sounding toms and uh, the bass drum that sounds like a timpani or something like that. So yeah, I played like the, along with the, the jazz settings and uh, like the bossa nova settings. I just pretty much played whatever I could until I felt loose enough. Nice man. Yeah, like I I find it difficult to like even when I step away for like a week, you know, I find myself going back and being like, "Fuck, I could do this faster." Like, why did I take all take this time off <laughs> or whatever? You know, I honest, I've never been good at rudiments. Uh, that's like been, I'm probably going back to the fact that I never took lessons. <laughs> so yeah. I was always like, all right, go faster. So it's always been single strokes, but even my, my strangle, my single strokes aren't fast enough for the fact that I only worked on them. And that was <laughs> it. I'm like, I still like tap out at like 210, 220. Like, that's still funny yeah. fast. Uh, it's not, yeah, it's it's not fast enough <laughs> these days, man. I don't know if you've uh, been listening to recent death metal that's been coming out, but uh, two twenty eight fast anymore, bud. <laughs> yeah, I I can't handle that. It's it's just a whole blur. I don't I I can't pick up and decipher the the individual beats. It's just like so. It's beyond me. Yeah, that's the point, man. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be so extreme that. You can't decipher what's going on anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, I, dude, I love it. Uh, like, uh, Lorna Shore just put out a new, uh, EP. And if, if you want to hear what the, the new, new is as far as extreme shit, dude, Lorna Shore, check it out and just like crank it in your car and let it blow your mind. Cause like, (laughs) it's, it's so well done. Yeah, it's so well done and so extreme, and like that new vocalist is doing shit that I uh, I I haven't heard anyone do anything <laughs> make noises I've, like that. <laughs> like it's, it's I've noticed crazy. like as I've gotten I don't know maybe it's an age thing, but like I I've kind of stepped away from listening to a lot of the extreme metal and death metal and stuff like that. Even just like. Um, terms of like speed like uh everything I'm, i i notice i'm listening like slower stuff like uh like load and um uh like yeah, there's a band called sleep token that i'm really digging right now okay so uh, you love everything that george lever produces then yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that guy I think, I think that i the thing is is i love george and i love like his uh everything about him i but i'm not a fan of the bands he produces <laughs> oh, okay like i i don't i can't get into loathe and i can't get into sleep token and i've tried uh the production is great but the songs themselves just don't grab me the way that i want to be you know grabbed by yeah by music you, you, you want to be punched in the face right yeah or like you know sung like a soft little lullaby or something <laughs> like i don't know this in between stuff just doesn't get me i need it like one extreme or the other you know, pick a side. We're at war, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like, it's funny because I haven't really been listening to all that much extreme metal. But then there will be certain bands that just hit the spot. You know, that just like, holy fuck, this is so good. I can't help but listen to this. 
You know, I've been, uh, dude, I've been listening to a ton of pop punk. I've been like, yeah. really, really getting into pop punk lately. Uh, there's this band. I think from, I saw you post something that you wanted to start a band, a pop punk band. I do. Right? So yeah. even though it's blasphemy for uh, for anybody other than drummers to listen to this podcast, if you know of any guitar players or bass players or or really talented vocalists who want to start a pop punk project, hit me up. I'm down. I will record everything, uh, at least our demos. You know, I will do as much work as possible because I want to play in a pop punk band. Um, and traditional early 2000s pop punk. All right. Have you ever been in a pop punk band? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. I played in a punk band for a summer. If we want to go back to talking about high school bands, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, I played guitar. Uh, and our drummer was not so great. Uh, I then took over his role because uh, the other two guys in the band started a hardcore band with that drummer. Then I took that drummer's place in the in the hardcore band, which became Hello Beautiful. I okay. don't know if you remember those guys. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was the first band I played drums for. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, high school bands, man. I uh, I kind of miss those days to some degree. Yeah, it was. Yeah, there, I as well. There was a lot less stress on everything. All you all you were, all you were worried about was just practicing, like playing with your band, like maybe a couple times a week, and getting into that show on the weekend. That's all you cared about. Yeah, and just having fun. Like yeah. that was like that. Even though we didn't realize it, that was the goal. Yeah. You know? And now we have to set that as a goal. It was like, guys, <laughs> don't forget, we have to have fun while we do it. It was That's like back in, the, back in the day, that was just what we we did. We had fun playing music. And now it's kind of like, fuck, we you have to remember have, that. Yeah. Like, do we have to have fun? Can't we do it and not? Have, like, I don't know. Like I, I, I take a lot of the music that I play very seriously. Um, and as much as it may be fun, I also want to make sure that I'm, I'm taking it seriously and, and I do everything as to my best of my ability, regardless of the fun factor. Sometimes shit sucks. Sometimes it's yeah. hard, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it can't be. Fun. Well, I think that's what, um, the, like with truce, that's kind of, we're kind of, just having fun with it. It's not, uh, we're not looking to take over the world until like as a start where the, the like beginning goal is just to make some good music. Yeah. And I feel like that a lot of bands lost that in like the, um, 2010 to 2020 era. Like a lot of bands lost that whole, like we just want to make the music we want to make. Cause it was all like, Oh, you have to be on a record label. You have to do this. Well, dude, shit has been flipped on its head right now. Being an independent band is like the best place to be. You have the ultimate control and there's so many things at your disposal right now as an independent band to get your stuff out there, to market it properly, to do everything that a record label would do, you have at your fingertips. You just need to put the work in. Yeah, a uh, lot of a lot of hustle, but the, all of the all of the modes are there. But yeah, yeah. You definitely. You, you, as long as you're willing to work for it, I think you can. You don't really need to rely on the old record label system. Uh, you can pretty much build, build your own fa- fan base uh, by I don't know, social media. By you, you yourself, you can just do it. 
Yeah, everything. And like you just you're there to make the music that you want to make with the friends who who you actually enjoy being around. There's no need for any bullshit anymore, you know? So man, you know what? I I think that's a, a great place to to kind of wrap this up, man. Uh it's been wrap it up on the no bullshit. <laughs> uh, no no bullshit anymore man no bullshit it's been fucking excellent talking to you man i hope we can do this again and uh well i'll get you over here uh my my humble little basement studio we'll record some drums and it'll be a great time man it's my pleasure i appreciate it man and i uh am up for that 100 percent. excellent man well everybody go check out the new single holy roller by uh, danny's new band truce on all streaming platforms and the next single will be out august 26 so stay tuned for that one all right it's been excellent my friend and we'll talk soon cheers Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. And if you're feeling especially kind, we would love it if you would share this with a friend or two. If you have any comments, questions, or even suggestions for future shows, please let us know. You can fire us a message, and we'll do our best to get back to you. Catch you next time.